API Intersection podcast listeners are invited to sign up for Stoplight and save up to $650. Use the code Intersection10 to get 10% off a new subscription to Stoplight Platform Starter or Pro. Take a look at this episode's description for more details. I'm Jason Harmon, and this is API Intersection, where you'll get insights from experienced API practitioners to learn best practices on things like API design, governance, identity auth, versioning, and more. Welcome back to API Intersection. Um, so there's a thing that you know, with building API programs and launching APIs and all this stuff, you know, we're so worried about getting the design right. And, you know, are we really fulfilling the right use case? And, uh, you know, do we have all the right development tools and all that stuff? But I think in a lot of ways, the thing that we don't talk about enough is how do we actually support this thing when it's out in the wild? Uh, and supporting APIs is innately hard. Um, so I'm, uh, super interested to chat uh, with today's guest, uh, Andre Soriker from Fogbender. Um, that's really what they're kind of focused on and targeting on, and I'm hoping uh, can learn some stuff for the community here on uh, what Andre's working on. So Andre, tell us a little bit about yourself and Fogbender. Thanks, Jason. Good to be here. Uh, Fogbender is a customer support platform for uh, API-first companies. These could be SDK-first companies. We're really looking at firms that... Um, sell something that developers use primarily as, as their main product. And we've discovered that often the vendors, these companies that, that, that sell a contract, they just don't know who their users are. So you'll, uh, you know, you get an API key that's being used by 25 developers, but as the vendor of the API, it's really hard to determine uh, the identities of these folks, who the best users are, and uh, we're seeing a bunch of stuff being done in the space, but none of it is kind of a, a particularly um, targeted towards solving this problem. So you, you, you have a combination of community, uh, you know, Discord or, or, or Slack uh, environments. Um, you've got all kinds of stuff, but uh, in, in general, <laughs> there, there doesn't seem to be a, a, a great solution for sort of supporting many teams of developers, uh, growing teams of developers uh, in some sort of a sensible, scalable way. Uh, and that, that's, the, that's where we're looking. Yeah, the, uh, the, the product, in, uh, product guy in me, I have my ears ringing from like uh, Keith Casey talking about how much you can learn from the way people are using your API. But I guess uh, before we go down that track, um, like what do you, you know, you're describing something here about this kind of chat expectation, right? Messaging expectation. Um, but like, yeah. what's unique about supporting developers in your view? Um, well, well uh, teams of developers. I, I think the difference is, um, you know, pl plenty, plenty of products are used sort of by developers individually. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's an editor or <laughs> a compiler or something. But um, when you're talking about um, a complex product like an API that is integrated into another complex product um, and it's you know, driving business, in inevitably you're going to be dealing with um, an ever-changing team of very technical people who are touching um, the, their own product and the API kind of on a, this continuous basis. Um, 
and I'm, I'm focusing on the word team. And so um, in my mind, I've, I've, for many years, I've believed in what I kind of call team to team support, where you've got the vendor's team and you've got the customer's team. And the goal is to um, make sure that a, there's kind of some succession and continuity between these teams as uh, the relationship ages, uh, because you know a couple of years go go by and then no one is around from when the, the initial deal was was struck. And how do you make sure that people don't keep relearning this stuff from scratch? How do you make sure that that these two developers who work on different continents and happen to be relatively new quickly find each other and understand that they're both both actually working on the same product using the same API? That's actually a very difficult problem to solve. Um, and I think it's solved by team to team support where you're able to maintain and, and keep building those relationships over time. So I think, uh, something like shared channels does it really well, uh, in Slack where everybody knows that this channel exists and this is where the, this particular vendors, uh, team congregates, but, um, I don't think it scales particularly well. And it's also not something that's, um, there by default. It's not in the path of least resistance because that shared channel is not going to be on the on the vendor's uh, dashboard. You're not going to be signing in looking for the support section and then discovering like that messaging experience there. You're going to be probably filling out a contact form or maybe you know seeing an email address support at or something, but then you also may need to know or discover somehow that there exists this better team to team experience as well, but it's rarely the official um, sort of thing that's out there. So we're trying to solve the problem of how do we make that that experience on the path of least resistance. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, having been on both sides of this equation quite a few times, I can definitely, it resonates that uh, integration is a, is a team affair, right? Uh, it's not like yeah. there's individuals. Um, what's like a real and or contrived example of what this kind of... Uh, you know, looks like in reality? Um, sure. So, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. So we, we are relatively early, but we finally have customers using our product. And um, one of these customers is one of our vendors. So we're kind of, we're mutual customers and this company is called XKit. Um, and they're actually, uh, they're a CRM, uh, they're kind of a, I don't know, you can say plaid for CRM. Essentially, they, they expose a single API to work with things like HubSpot and Salesforce and, and, and other CRMs. Um, so you don't have to build the same thing multiple times. Um, so, you know, the way we talk to them is they have got a dashboard. We've got our team inside of their sort of dashboard. As new developers join our team, we add them to, to the XKit, our XKit account. And, um, Whenever I have, you know, there's a support button, you click on that support button and you can just kind of see it's, it's more of a kind of a shared workspace because it, it's got multiple, all the open issues that are currently there. Each one is essentially kind of a chat room. Um, and uh, it's not a contrived example. I think it's a very, very uh, simple example, really. But essentially their entire team is in there. Our entire team is uh, in there as well. And no, I, I mean, if five years goes by, uh, someone could join either one of our companies and potentially go back and discover what happened, uh, figure out who the experts are. Um, that's really what it is. But the key thing is we don't need to um, 
know about some special place for that support uh, to exist. We don't need to know that there is a shared channel, right? That we need to uh, join or, or, or open. Uh, it's just there. It's if, if you have a question about Xkit and you're working on my team, there's no way for you not to discover a, a place where I will see your question. And that's really the, the crux, I think, of, of the solution. Got it. Okay. So digging into that a bit on, um, you know, you kind of said like Slack or Discord or these sort of things just don't yeah. really scale well, which I think this is, you know, for me and kind of, I think the listeners here, like this is the the lesson that we can learn is what what's going to break for you in the future, right? Um, yeah. But uh, reading into that that um, story you told there, it sounds like the kind of blend of like ticketing and um, and just Triage. discussion. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's interesting because I mean it's like you hit this point where yeah you can just have open kind of chit chat but at some point you got to put more structure around it and you end up you know having your ticketing system that you have to yeah. refer folks to and then you kind of lose that connection but you get this durable record of all the things right and now you can build metrics and all that stuff so it sounds like you guys are trying to kind of blend that experience exactly yeah um so there's this moment when uh, just a conversation becomes something actionable, something, oh, it's like, oh, this is a feature that we got to build, you know? Well, what do you do? And this is, when I say Slack, it's hard to scale. That's where it sort of stops scaling. Okay, we've got a thread, um, you know, a couple of people know about this thread. And, um, you know, this is a complex feature. It's going to take two months to build and <laughs> maybe some other companies are going to want it too. And then you, you just kind of start losing these ends. You start um, I think losing the connections. Um, and in our world, there's a moment where you say, okay, this is a feature. Let's mark, let's create a feature and let's send that feature to Jira. So that there's a ticket that we can work into our sprint, but we will continue to have this dedicated, not a thread, but a, a, a dedicated named persistent searchable channel, um, that anyone will see once they enter, you know, the support experience, you don't have to read through, um, Un unnamed threads where you're not a member, so you don't get notifications. Um, yeah, and so we're, we're, I mean, this is early, but we're trying to understand, well, what's what's the easiest way for us to create that transition from like triage, like, yeah, we think there's something there. We got to either fix a bug or create a feature, or maybe just this, is, this merits its own um, conversation that we think other people will be interested in, um, you know, and, and, and how do we actually work that into the product? How we tie it into uh, systems like uh, Jira or Asana or ticketing system, you know, where, where you, you they exist for you to be responsible and not, not to drop the ball. That's, that's the challenge <laughs> that we're trying to um, tackle. Yeah, for sure. And the other, the other part of this challenge is like, what if the customer actually wants to live in Slack or what if the customer wants to live in Microsoft Teams? You know, they really don't care if you can, how you manage those conversations. It's on you. It's on the vendor. You have to make sure that the ball doesn't get dropped. The customer doesn't care. They know about this thread. They're going to remember. They don't have to deal with 200 other, you know, um, channels <laughs> and non-named threads. So, so we're also trying to come up with a way to integrate with the things like Slack and Teams so that end users don't have to, 
um, you know, be somewhere where they don't necessarily want to be, or, or, you know, we, we were trying to come up with a way for these end users to get support, even if they're, you know, not necessarily going to your website, but they assume that it's going to be in Microsoft teams. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the fog is a very new thing. Uh, and I think what's interesting is you kind of your background and story of how you got here in that it seems like you've kind of, you know, been in this sort of messaging space for quite some time that kind of led you to this, uh, this notion. Uh, so tell us a little bit more about kind of how you got here. Sure. Um, well, so in 2012, I decided that there needed to be a proper team messaging system because it just didn't exist. The closest thing was hip chat. And we, um, and I just remember, you know, using it and, and someone in Europe, wouldn't be able to, not because it was blocked or whatever, just wouldn't connect <clears throat> most of the time. It was this gaping sort of need for, 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 for a professional, you know, team, team messaging system. Um, and yeah, so that's essentially how I started building messaging products. Um, unfortunately that product ended up, it was called LeChat. It, it ended up competing with Slack. We kind of were building things at the same time. The Slack team actually signed up for, for LeChat and, used it we and the way we met them is we accidentally created um what is now known as shared channels we we had our very first customer uh created a room and we had a bug in our code and that room was visible to us it's like the worst possible thing you can imagine in terms of uh, security and we were like whoa this is so bad but we ended up creating a feature out of that so so um we essentially started making one of those rooms for each one of our customers and sign up. And this is how I discovered team to team support. I mean, some of those folks ended up using our product for like three years until we shut it down. And I remember just thinking, Whoa, like not a single one of these people was there when we first started using the, the product. But I remember, mm -hmm. you know, I know how we met them all. They joined this company and there was a wonderful yeah. experience. Um, so I started thinking about productizing something like this, almost 10 years ago. Um, and then we ended up, we, we, we ended up pivoting to a product called same room. And you know, one of the things we heard while building the chat was, Oh, like we, someone's using WhatsApp or telegram or Slack showed up, or there were, there were maybe, you know, 25, 30 different tools at the time. And so we thought, let's see if we can, um, clearly there's no common, protocol. No one's, there's like X, XMPP is gone, but let's see if we can just sort of brute force, um, an integration, you know, sort of some, some sort of, a integration that would be invisible to the end user. And so we built same room, which is a under the hood, uh, product that just, I mean, we reverse engineered Skype and reverse engineered hangouts, but you could connect a hangout to a Skype group and chat as if, you know, nothing, uh, interesting is happening. Uh, while one team is in Hangouts and other teams in Skype. Um, and, and, you know, it was a really, really interesting project. It wasn't particularly interesting financially. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what, uh, the way I um, narrowed in on, on uh, Fogbender, so I think the thing to understand is I sort of believe that messaging really solves a lot of problems. And I think that removing... Um, communication silos. So essentially making sure that everyone can see or at least have access to not necessarily be, you know, pinged, but have access to communication is, is the right thing to do. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, it's the way to scale large organizations. Um, 
hiding information is the way to make large organizations struggle. Uh, so it's a very sort of uh, idealistic uh, thing that I believe in. But when, when we got acquired, when Same Room got acquired, I joined a large company and I became like mid-level management, product management, and immediately started building a new product where we, um, I needed segment analytics. Um, and we brought that in and it, it started spreading like wildfire within this larger organization that had, I don't even know how many offices, but many across multiple continents, you know, and most of these developers who were building against now, you know, segment analytics, they never got to travel. They never knew each other. They, they didn't know that their colleagues existed at all. Like there was no okay. real sensible way to know that. And, and new new developers would show up all the time, right? And I sort of watched this very nice kind of simple deployment of segment just just fall apart, uh, you know, completely. <laughs> and and I kept asking myself, and, and how I knew it fell apart is because I was I was on the receiving end of overage PDFs. You know, this is like when you start using a product too much, they start sending you these PDFs, just mm -hmm. emailing you like, oh, you owe us $2,500 because you hit like 3.5 more uh, million monthly active users last month. And I'm like, well, you know, that's way more than we we have users like that would be fantastic but you know these users aren't real and they're like yeah we don't know like how that happened that's that's on you um and eventually you reach out to support they say yeah we really don't know but we have this other like tier where we can bump you up to and then you know maybe so so it's sort of because I'm, I'm like how did this happen what's going on i realized that all these developers that were on my team whom i didn't know they would reach out to segment over email or some sort of a system that is inherently designed to support individuals receive some kind of feedback, some kind of recommendations that were, you know, segment doesn't know our data model. They, they don't know. We have 15 different IDs, right. For, for a user mm -hmm. segment would never know uh, which one is mm -hmm. the correct one to use in a 35 year old company. You know, that makes that, that, that happens. Yeah. And um, yeah. So I thought, you know what, if, only we had some form of a collaborative support experience where if a new employee in Romania needed help, uh, they would have no other way but to talk to us, uh, you know, uh, as, as a sort of a community <laughs> working on this thing together. That was it. I, I just thought this needs to be there on Segment's website, on their dashboard. Once I sign in, I want to see a support button. And if I click that button, I want to see everybody, um, all the tickets that are currently open, all the current conversations that are ongoing. Um, and so that these misguided, um, you know, silos would be, would just not be needed or, or, or even possible. So that's, that's kind of where it came from. But, but again, like it's rooted in my belief that team to team uh, messaging is sort of the magic um, that makes these sorts of interactions scale. It's, it's funny over the years, you know, even from kind of the soap era and all these sorts of things, mm -hmm. uh, it's just like the notion of integrating something, uh, you know, folks go like, well, what's that all about? You know, it's like, it's a very messy personal business yes. <laughs> at the end <laughs> of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, uh, you know, uh, in some ways kind of a toe to toe affair in terms of actually making things happen. And, and I, I know certainly over the years, heard so many times, you know, uh, 
individual developers trying to consume some API and just says, can I just talk to the dev who built this so I can understand how they were thinking about it? Um, yeah. So, you know, I've certainly heard that many times. I guess it's interesting to think about, you know, how you make those things scale. Um, and it's very intriguing on like uh, within a company. And, and I think that sort of behavioral tracking, like you're talking about with something like a segment is a great example. Like it may not be one team that's integrating with your API in a given company. It could be dozens or in a very large company, hundreds. And how do you oh, yeah. support that on a team by team basis? Um, I think that's an intriguing facet of supporting APIs that folks maybe don't think about as much and think about it as this sort of, there is one way to support things. Yeah, I think truly success, you know, these big successful companies, they want to touch every department in, in an organization, you know, and they try to <laughs> often. Uh, yeah, and this is how you end up with different product teams, different, different pyramids. Um, using the same vendor's API and not necessarily being able to tap into each other's knowledge. You know, the other interesting thing is uh, one way to solve this is through community support, um, which sometimes works quite well. And I think one of the best examples was uh, Stripe's IRC um, channel on Freenode. I mean, it was like, I, and, and I think there's this guy, right? I think he didn't work at Stripe, but he appeared to be a full-time like incredibly knowledgeable Stripe engineer. I think they eventually maybe hired him. There's a Hacker News story on this from many years ago, but it was one of the best ways to get highly technical support, except you couldn't, and this is a problem with community support, is um, if you're working on something that you can't necessarily reveal to the outside world, you've got competitors, you can't show a stack trace because someone will know which what you're using, I don't know. Mm -hmm. then this, this kind of sets up these boundaries around what you can really do. Um, and I think the other problem with that is true, like excellent um, community support really depends on the community providing the support. And, uh, you know, some companies never get there. They just don't have enough mm -hmm. community. They, you, you need to become a country, really, for there to be enough yeah, folks. Certainly, you are, certainly can't start with that. <laughs> you can't start with that, yeah. yeah. So you see, you know, one of the problems I see... Um, with, with community discords or slacks is that folks think, well, we must have one, but they don't necessarily have the community. They're not a country yet. They're not big enough. Um, and they don't have the time to sit there and, and, and be that person whose only job is to dig into other people's technical problems because they've got other, other things to do. You know, they've got other customers to support. They've got code to write, whatever. So, so actually, you know, um, we've been doing a lot of integrations at Fogbender and I see, uh, I'm often trying to find like, well, how do you get, how do I get a list of all of, all of the repositories from GitHub? It's a, it's a, it's a amazingly non-trivial problem. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you, you end up joining these different, uh, support chats and often, you know, they're, they're kind of, maybe there's going to be a bunch of people who are wondering how to do certain things, but not necessarily the folks who have the time to respond. Um, so, so uh, that's that's kind of another interesting um, angle that I'm seeing right now, where you know it's 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 a fine line between accessibility to knowledge, but on also kind of the mandatory secrecy of information that um, you know yeah. has to be. There. No, it's two very interesting points. One is 
you know, there is often a very real sort of uh, business confidentiality in some of these discussions about, you know, you're integrating something that no one knows about yet, and it's important that they don't. Yeah, in, including uh, your identity, you may not you may not want sure. people to know that your company is using this vendor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, by the way, means often these support community support um, workspaces or channels are filled with folks who whose names you don't you'll never know because they're using yeah. pseudonyms. You know, and ideally you would know <laughs> as the vendor. You yeah. kind of want to know who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's true up and down the the size of company scale too. I mean. Right. I think everybody knows the still startup thing and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, I think of some of the bigger places I've worked where there were like, you know, codenamed projects that are need to know, right? Yeah, because it's yeah. like a huge marketing deal and they don't want it leaked. Um, so I can totally appreciate that. I think the, the other facet though is like how to scale that sort of um, the, the mix of uh, sort of knowledge, expertise, kind of developer, you know, wherewithal and be able to scale that across many teams who are integrating. And uh, I, I hear from your stand, uh, like you're trying to sort of provide a solution to do that. But I'm curious, you know, like, what's your take on a way to make that reasonably efficient? Sure. Because, I mean, I gotta be honest, like, you know, the, the business guy in me is going like, this all sounds really expensive, and I'm gonna have to put really skilled developers on support channels all the time, like, oh. Yeah, I and you know, um, might be true. Well, well. So, so um, I look at it, and I try. I try to simplify these scalability issues to some actionable problems that I see all the time. So, one huge problem is that if you're a large enough company, uh, it doesn't you don't even need to be a large enough company, but you very often will end up multiple um, customers asking for the same thing or roughly the same thing, and you know, just managing that. Simple sounding thing is actually quite tricky. How many tickets should you have in your developer fate in your internal issue tracker? One or one per customer? You know, well, kind of either one might be problematic, right? Either solution. So um, we're proposing this notion where we're sort of separating the communication space. So essentially, let's just say that there's a room or a channel per customer for discussing this particular issue. But there's only one, uh, uh, you know, issue in GitLab or or Jira for that particular issue, and you can have you can keep adding these these rooms per customer, but they all tie back into the issue. And so one of the mm. one of the biggest like I think product um, epiphanies I've had was when I I, I used uh, I used Intercom. Uh, you know, to segment users and to communicate with users. And it's an incredible, it's really an incredible product. Uh, and and uh, the problem with Intercom though, is that it's really designed again for uh, segmenting individuals and not necessarily teams. So what we're trying to do is say, okay, let's borrow from Intercom's idea of segmenting your customers, but let's segment teams. Let's say that we have 200 um, customers and let's say that 50 of them have asked for this feature. So let's create over time, create the segment of 50 teams. And these teams are changing over time. Remember, they're not static, right? Like new developers come, old developers go. And let's come up with some kind of a way to communicate with these 50 teams at the same time in a way where you could do this in, in, in uh, Intercom, right? You can, you can sort of send this broadcast message to everybody. 
who you know is interested in this particular thing and ask them, for example, to try like a beta version. We're, we've, we're building or we've kind of built a similar thing for teams where you can say, hey, you know what? I've got this question for everyone who wants this thing or has complained about this thing. And let's send a broadcast into just kind of a public broadcast to every one of these 50 rooms where we know there are you know 50 teams sitting there waiting for us to um, implement this thing for them. And, and actually, I think that's maybe how it scales is where you um, you learn how to segment, but not individuals, because that's, that's <laughs> that doesn't work. You segment your teams, your cut, your customer teams into, um, you know, folks who need this or need that or have complained about that or have had this problem or have paid you this much money, you know, and then you start um, kind of paying attention, maybe based on certain criteria, or you start broadcasting messages based on certain criteria. Um, I think that's how it scales. And I think it does scale. And I think if you look at the most successful API first or API driven company in the world, you know, they're not going to have millions of, of customers. It's never millions. It's, it's maybe right. tens of thousands, you know, maybe. Well, there could be millions, but in terms of those that pay, it's often a much smaller community. Yeah. Well, it's true, but but when you're looking at again deals signed, right? These deals signed, sure. you're generally dealing on the order of, I mean, if very successful. I mean, I think Okta has like ten thousand customers or something. I mean, it's a relatively yeah. small amount. Um, and 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 this is sort of where we run into this uh, problem, I think, with support tools. All of them, all of the existing support tools. Are designed for scale. They're designed for Adidas, you know, and Adidas has, I don't know, 2 billion customers or something, right? I'm just, but look, TurboTax, I don't know, millions of customers. Um, and so that scale ends up, I think, really taking up all the product effort of, you know, a Zendesk or an intercom or a front. And they just don't have the time to, if you look at Zendesk's organizational features, you know, these are features dedicated to supporting organizations they really have nothing's happened there in like i don't know like 10 years because <laughs> because there just aren't that there's just not much that much traffic coming from those companies and what what zendesk doesn't know that that this customer pays a million dollars a year not 12 right that's kind of the difference um it's, it's yeah it's hard i to, think um to, there's a couple of, of bits that i'd call out that are that are lessons in here. And I think the first is like the support experience is often um, has to be either super integrated or super fragmented your choice uh, in the sense that uh, sort of identifying how often do you have support issues around the same kind of thing can be hard. Yeah. Uh, especially when you go, you're going from sort of a messaging environment to some form of ticketing system, which then, as we all know, turns into some kind of, uh, you know, developer oriented issue, which is often a different thing than, than the support tool itself. So I think that's an interesting insight of like, um, you know, stitching all that together and getting to something that, especially for product managers that you can look and clearly understand where your priorities should lie. Yeah. Uh, is hard. And then I think the second bit is, um, I think you're recognizing that this sort of bottoms up adoption within organizations, the, the idea that it's, you know, sure, there may be an individual who's trying something, but if you really have, you know, someone inside of a company using your product, and then suddenly you have uh, 
two or three or 50 teams using it at some point there's there's kind of a you know that's where you can really engage and get those bigger deals yep. with the organization as a whole but mapping out the organization as part of that i think a lot of people underestimate the value of that of not just saying you know we see 20 uh, people in your organization using this but that we're actually able to map out there's 20 different teams and it's these individuals yep. who are using it can actually have a much greater weight in sort of um you know, bringing them to the table on a bigger deal. I think the movement that's trying to, the product movement is trying to capture this is called product-led growth, where you, um, you're, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a marketing term, but it's really trying to, to sort of formalize some, some of the um, dynamics around bot, bottom-up uh, uh, adoption, as opposed to what I kind of call steak dinner adoption, right? Where you, you have a bunch of nice steak dinners and then the contract is signed and then the implementation phase begins. Um, and that's becoming rare <laughs> just for all kinds yeah. of reasons. And, yeah. and I, and I, I actually mean, think one of the dangers for a vendor um, th- th- whose who's, who's product is being adopted bottom up is to miss the point where like a big deal is on the table. They, they may not understand that this is like an old school publicly traded company that's using their stuff. They just, they've never seen it before. They've never seen the name. They don't care. Um, and I think that's happened to us actually with segment. Like they just kind of, they didn't really understand the opportunity that was on the table. And, and um, because it was really used by just such a small team initially, and then uh, they kind of missed the spread. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It's after. funny. You know, I, I said at the beginning that, um, you know, this support stuff is something that, I think for a lot of API programs, sometimes we don't put enough thought into. And look, we just rattled through how it can inform your product team on you know where things are hurting. It can inform your sales organization on how this sort of land and expand bottom-up uh, adoption is going, uh, as well as just um, you know sort of foster a better relationship on a team and individual basis that leads up to that point that you may have kind of a you know. A bigger enterprise level deal on your hands. Um, yeah. So fascinating stuff. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny because so often we think, how do we make sure that this isn't going to be too expensive and that we're going to have enough documentation, right? Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, the other oh. super interesting thing, just to uh, is is knowing when when your 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 good users leave when, when you know if, again if you're selling uh, an API first product into a large organization. You want to know when your best technical champion departs, and it's that's a signal that, by the way, they never reach out and support because they know everything better than your own team, you know. And just getting that signal that this person went to work somewhere else is important for two reasons. One is you should go and sell your thing to this next company where they're going, and and two, you know, you may not be able to renew your deal with the old company because all of a sudden the champion is gone, and so just just knowing that is a automatically right? is, without spending human hours, you know, like, yeah, that is super <laughs> true. That one resonates for me things. all day long. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Andre, uh, I really appreciate you sharing all this with us. I think it's, uh, I think it gives our, our listeners here a lot of things to chew on that, uh, you know, support is more than just, uh, you know, having the docs and opening tickets and that sort of thing. There's really a lot to unpack and sort of, messaging integration of it all it's uh, super interesting what you guys are doing thank you this is great thanks for listening 
If you have a question you want to ask, look in the description of whichever platform you're viewing or listening on, and there should be a link there so you can go submit a question, and we'll do our best to find out the right answer for you.